Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who loves Rocket League as much as Lucas Moura loves Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Cars, 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 cars. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was very nicely done. Quick work. Um, how are you both doing? I'm good. I would like to know where you learnt about Rocket League, Windy, because you don't strike me as the guy that knows about computer games. I, I know about it because I see Nathan arranging games all the time. Like, it's <laughs> just what he does now on our Discord. That's what he uses Discord for. <laughs> but by popular demand, I'm not... I'm not. Uh, you've made me out to be, like, the the pusher of all of this, but it's, you know, it's a it's a shared... It's a community activity, mate. Nice, okay. Yeah, you're, you're community building. That's yeah. what you're doing. Cool. Um... Are you well, buddy? I'm very, very well. Thank you very much, Wendy. Good. You know? Yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> I've had some interesting developments in my physio. Bit of bit of pain over the last couple of days, but but progress. So yeah, I'm I'm not bad. Nice. I'm well. Um, my MacBook isn't. I just managed to spill a whole bottle of water over my MacBook on Friday night, and the trackpad has stopped working. So apologies for any clicking here. That is my magic mouse. Um, we've had some lovely iTunes reviews. We asked people to leave iTunes reviews. Uh, mentioning some of their most meaningful or memorable Spurs games. And we actually asked for for titles of those reviews using um, which animals you would pick to defend you from the list we discussed <laughs> in the last episode. So one of our one of our reviews is 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 happily titled Ten Thousand Rats, uh, and there's a reference to Cole in the review, which is great. That's from A. L. Parnaby. Thank you for that. Bobby P90 talks about um, Wimbledon 2, Tottenham 6 from 1998. Jürgen Klinsmann, lovely stuff. And most recently, um, Kuss has has sent a, a, a long review, which is a very enjoyable read about Notts County Spurs from 1991. So if you go and look at our iTunes reviews, you'll be able to read all of those. They're very enjoyable. Thank you so much to everyone who's left one so far. Uh, anyone else thinking about it? Go for it. Do it. And remember to put in which animals would be protecting you also. Um, we've had lots of Patreon content this week. Most notably, uh, a video from Nathan on Zagreb. Yeah, a little, little Zagreb preview. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I wanted to keep it short. It wasn't that short in the end. Uh, to be honest, and this really isn't selling the video that much, I don't think they're that interesting as a team, but got a little look at some of their players and where they're strong and where they're weak. Um, had a look at Ralph Hassenhutl as part of the the Good Manager series. Uh, we'll be moving on with that. You can see Bardi turning his nose up. <laughs> <laughs> I always enjoy when your um, when your replacements for Jose all end up in the mud, Windy. So I do enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. You take a lot of pleasure in anything I like not turning out to not be good, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> 
Like a bit like um, fantasy football. Oh my god, yeah, my fantasy team is not having a good time of it this week. Uh, and Bardi is smug because he captained Kane. He brought Kane in and made him captain, which is, to be fair, that's a really great bit of management, and you deserve plaudits for that. But uh, some, I mean, Steve you, Hitchin, Steve Hitchin style scout in there. Yeah, but you actually like making transfers. He doesn't. That's <laughs> true. Um, also, you take way more um, pleasure in my failure than your own success. <laughs> yeah, it, it's I, that's a bit like my life. I enjoy Arsenal losing so much that sometimes when Tottenham win, it's like okay, but Arsenal losing is brilliant. <laughs> So maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it says something about my personality. Um, Nathan, top level, Zagreb, what kind of team are they? Uh, they're pretty malleable, as you would expect, as a team who are sort of the dominant force in their league. But then obviously when they come to playing in Europe, they have to sort of adapt to the situation. Uh, they okay. okay, so very briefly, they have um, some, I think, fairly skilled sort of attacking players. Um, but mm-hmm. they don't, <laughs> a little bit like Tottenham, but they don't have a great means of getting to them. And in their domestic league, a lot of the opposition teams just freely allow them to pass through to their attacking midfield and work it down the wing very easily. Uh, whereas they will have a much harder time doing that against better teams. Obviously, they're going to play more sort of mid-block and counter against us, and they do have some threats on the counter because of those individuals. But again, I don't think that they are especially um, brilliantly well set up defensively or or have a great means of of setting up the traps for those counter-attacks. Okay, so broadly speaking, you're not too worried about them. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you say before <laughs> you get knocked out of the Europa League by a team that you called, you know, bad. Yeah, fair enough. Stay silent on that one. Um, so, so Bardi, you mentioned being meh about Tottenham winning. I presume you were feeling pretty excited about the Palace result. Yeah, of course. It was great. I'm very happy with Tottenham at the moment. I, sometimes I'm in a bad mood with them, but today, today I'm in a good mood with them. I'm in a good mood with my manager and my team. It's... We're, we're scoring goals. We're scoring goals and we're scoring good goals as well. And defensively, we look a little bit better. But I guess we'll get into that as we as we examine the game in a bit more detail. Yeah, def- I mean, there's not much to be cross about, to be honest, these mm. past couple of weeks. I think um, you're, you're completely justified in enjoying them. Um, team selection-wise, um, Ndombele got a rest, a much-needed rest, which was, which was good. So Harry Winks came into midfield. Uh, Lucas was once again starting as a 10 or second striker, depending on how you see it. And Doherty got another starter at right back. And Nathan, how were you feeling about the team selection? Did you think Winks was a good pick for this one? Did I think Winks was a good pick for this one? I guess so. I guess so. I, just, I thought it was it was kind of a strange one. So uh, Alistair Gold sort of tweeted out a warning that there was going to be some, some peculiar team news. And then I thought off the back mm. of that there was a chance of like a really strong rotation and us like saving our best players for, again, a team who I've described as not great, um, which is going to be curious. And then we have this sort of half rotation, which is literally something that we've been calling for. We This is something that you and I say, we yep. need to not have an A team and a B team. We need to play the AB and the yep. BA, right? So we got that. But I just find that like Kane and Hoivier as being like two non-rested players. I mean, mm-hmm, I guess, I guess mm-hmm. Son, Son yeah, as well. Yeah, again, yes, yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. I guess Kane has got a couple of rests in, whereas yeah, Son hasn't. I mean, obviously, like we're not there on training, we're not monitoring uh, energy levels, we don't have all of like the data we haven't seen, uh, we haven't heard from them talking about any fatigue they might have. So it, it, we can't from a distance be like. This player's tired and this player isn't. So if it ha- if if Ndombele is the one who's tired and 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 Oria is the one who's tired, then fair enough. But it, it seems slightly odd based on who's played before. So it's a slightly strange rotation. Um, I guess sort of based on the expectations, but we're not surprised that rotation generally. Uh, Lucas is the ten. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm hoping to see Delhi again, and maybe he has to build fitness for a while before he can play twice in a week. Uh, I mean, I you know my feelings about Lucas. He he had a, a game that was uh, more celebrated than most of his games. I do think he had a really nice tackle on um, Milivojevic for the for the first goal. Um, but I, uh, you know, 
<laughs> even even what's considered a very good game for him, I, I still find him frustrating, to be honest. I mean, Lucas had a exceptional Lucas game. If you're just looking in terms of what Lucas Moore mm. does, he did what he does perfectly. He he pressed, he ran with the ball, he took on players. But as a number 10, I think he had a pretty bad game because there was plenty of moments when... Palace were behind the ball and it went to Lucas and it was a dead end. There was plenty of moments where it, well, towards the end of the first half, especially where the whole thing was just to keep the ball and not give it away. There's a couple of minutes to go and he did Lucas Moore things and, and lost the ball badly. And it wasn't his fault that we conceded a goal, but I think I'd partly blame him. Had that been Delhi, I think, I think Jose might've gone after him, but you know, he had a, he had a good game for Lucas Moore. He's not a number 10, but he does give us something interesting in that number 10. He does press, he does give us an option, but I don't think there should be anything more than a rotation. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I thought he had a, a pretty good game, if I'm honest. Hmm. Um, I mean, I sort of agree with both of you. He, he frustrates that out of me as well. But, I mean, if I just look at that game objectively, I, I, I don't think we'd have won without Lucas. Um, I, I, well, I, 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 th- I think he played a, a crucial role in securing the win. Um, yeah, the, t- the tackle was one thing, but it wasn't just that tackle. He was essentially playing as an advanced destroyer. Uh, he ended up being involved in 23 duels in that game. Which is eight more, eight higher than any other Spurs player. Which is signi- that's significant. He only won thirty nine percent of them, but that's not the point. I mean, he's attempting to. You don't have to sure. necessarily win the duel to win the ball mm. or win the position. Uh, so I, I feel like he had a, a strong game, and I don't mind this use of him, where it, you know he's just essentially using his athletic abilities to to press opposition players, to to duel with them, to try and win the ball high, um, to cause chaos in certain areas uh, it, it worked really well I thought he was good I do think that that things have been better since you moved into the number 10 role um, whenever mm-hmm. I tweet out the, the 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 lineup and I've put uh, Lucas as the 10 and, and Bale out wide to get several replies saying shouldn't it be Bale as a 10 and Lucas out wide but um I don't know I think that yeah his his sort of his chaos causing as we've we've both sort of yeah uh, called it is doing more damage and, and unsettling the opposition more in the middle. I think that there's perhaps um, a better chance to win the ball back immediately after he loses it in the middle. Um, I think also he maybe sees the ball less in the middle, which isn't the worst thing, um, mm-hmm. and sort of less isolated. So, uh, and then also, of course, his his defensive work is going to matter more from from that central position, literally winning the ball off their defensive midfielder and turning over there. So, yeah, I mean, a, a really good call from Mourinho to, to give this a run, and and I think it's been pretty fruitful. Obviously, he still isn't my first choice as number ten, um, but I think it's a better use of him. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's like almost like um, Gareth Bale is a is a power washer, which you which is great if you know what you're going to do and what you're going to clean. But Lucas Moura is one of the, is a garden yeah. sprinkler that. It's, it's most effective when you put it right in the middle of the pitch, turn it on, it just goes, prah, goes all over the place. With Gareth Bale, you can use him more confined because he's very powerful but very direct. So, yeah, yeah. Lu- Lucas Moore is probably best just allow him the freedom of the pitch and just to spray everybody there. I love it. I mean, Bardi never fails to come up with an, an analogy for, for every situation. I had him more as like, if, if Bale's the power washer on the patio trying to get the lichen off, Lucas mm. is like the on his hands and knees scrubbing for, scrubbing <laughs> all day and Bale just comes in and blasts it off with a karcher yeah. <laughs> um, yeah no I mean I, I, I'm I'm not against Lucas performing that role I'd obviously rather him not start every game but in this particular scenario it, it's difficult to argue that it wasn't highly successful I mean, this we can now see that Delhi will start against Zagreb and Lucas will start against Arsenal that's, that's mm. set now yeah, and so I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, I feel like he's he's a he's a he's a provocateur in a game like Palace against Arsenal. I'm not quite sure he'll have the same use. Uh, perhaps we'll come back to that. Um, Vidi Chopsticks asked, "What changed in the second half? Were there any big tactical switches from Jose, or was it more just better energy from the lads?" So what did you think, Nathan? What did the game look like to you? Yeah, I wasn't too impressed with the first half, to be honest. I think there was there was a fair amount of, of a positive response from the fans over the first half. I wasn't that uh, big on it. 
I think that so we we did this thing and it, it's a very Mourinho thing. It's stuff that we, something that we've done before. It's something that you saw a lot from his sort of 2015 Chelsea side, which is um, you've got your four-two-three-one shape and you've got your four attackers in that, and they take it in turns to come join midfield, be the third midfielder, and then they turn with the ball yep. and they either you know pick out a pass or if you're Lucas Moura, you attempt to dribble the entire opposition team from that <laughs> position. Sometimes it works out. Um, and so that was being sort of, I don't know, mildly fruitful. We It was a way of us getting the ball forward. It, it wasn't hugely effective. Um, obviously, we turned the ball over. Uh, really good pressing from Lucas Moura. Really good tackle. The technique on the tackle, the mm. sort of the blindsided tackle where uh, Milivojevic couldn't see it coming. Uh, I, I really appreciate that from Lucas. That's that's sort of the thing that's got the most praise from me for Lucas Moura since he scored against Ajax. Um yeah, really smart turn over there. Um, but otherwise, I didn't think that good. And then we started to sort of fade and, and let Palace have the ball and obviously conceded the equaliser. Um, I don't know if there was a tactical shift at half time. Um, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. I think perhaps a minor one, it might be worth me going back and having a look at look for that. Uh, but I would definitely lean towards better energy. Uh, Jack Pitbrook suggested that because we conceded the equaliser just before the second half, we sort of we came out and we played the second half, whereas we may well have just tried to hang on to the one nil. I'm not convinced by that, but I definitely I wouldn't rule it out either. Um, essentially, but I think that. Over the last few weeks, we've seen, and I have to absolutely give Mourinho praise for this, we, we've seen more of a lean towards us maintaining possession over an extended period of the entire game to continue to attack for the entire game, to bring some, and I still don't think much, and, and Harry and I are going are gonna to have it out in video form, I think, in the near future. I still don't think there's a, there's a huge amount of, um, of attacking planning going on, but there's some. There's a little bit, and there's the intention to continue to, to attack, and there's the intention to continue to possess the ball, and and it's it's seeing results for us. It's not the most brilliant, most high-intensity, uh, most meticulous, most creative possession football, but it is um, it is kind of an impression of that, and it's effective. Well, I'll tell you one of those bits of attacking planning. It's uh, it's Gareth Bale, get yourself in the six-yard box mm, as much as yeah, possible. Yeah, 100%. And it's working. I mean, he... He had a really strong, strong game, Bale, on the whole. But it's these crucial moments where he just knows where to be, knows what to do. Uh, his his quality really shines through. I thought um I thought Kane's ball for the first goal was really really good. Yeah. I mean like so it looks like a really straightforward pass. All he does is just cross it from the left to the right where there's a tap in. But he has to hit it really quite hard to make sure it gets there ahead of the defender and in, in front of the goalkeeper. And he weighted it absolutely perfectly and made it look like an easy delivery. It was not easy. Uh, Kane was absolutely. I mean, I'm literally running out of words to describe Kane. He was he was fantastic. Two goals, two assists. The goal he scored from, um, uh, I mean, a Matt Doherty fire assist, <laughs> akin to Tom Carroll fire assist from from many years back for Gareth Bale. It was delicious. You know, it was such a lovely finish. It's, it's um, the sensation of like when you know you've hit the ball well, when you know you've struck it well and you think you've scored. For me, that goal is like the perfect encapsulation of like, yep, I've absolutely pinged this exactly where I want it to. Mm. It's such a perfect shot and you can see how much he he sort of had that planned seconds in advance. Just just a just a like a strike that other players just do not hit, you know? Just so much power through the side foot, an absolute placement incredible yeah he's 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 absurd he's just completely ridiculous it's it's also it's mad like the, the different types of technique he has in his locker it's everything. he can literally he can strike the ball with every part of his foot except the knuckle perhaps yeah. uh, which isn't so successful oh. but you know inside outside instep uh toes yeah. laces he literally can strike a ball perfectly from every part of his of both feet he it's could have mad. gone laces there he could have gone outside weak foot he could have chipped it far post for a as a pass um he could have dummied it to carry it and then tried to shoot low across the keeper Every, all of that is part of Kane's game um I, 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 I was nearly gonna say and like that sort of a, a mark of his brilliance I don't necessarily think that's true I think that you can be an incredible player if you just do two or three things absurdly well um but honestly he just does everything absurdly well what an incredible yeah. player uh on yeah. Bale 
um when he when he first was kind of come to us we did a video and i sort of put forward to you the idea that he should be a center forward uh, and maybe he he doesn't want to be he, he you know he's he's against that idea but i think we're seeing this thing where like he sort of becomes a center forward in in the final third he's moving narrow a lot he starts out on the right because i think that like <laughs> he feels comfortable in that position in build up he gets to touch the ball a couple of times mm-hmm. which is good for confidence mm-hmm. um he sort of feels at home in a wide area but then in the final third especially with kane dropping off of course it's a bit like the sun thing um I think with Sun is like Sun can can take over the centre forward role when you're playing him behind early when you when there's space for him to run into. But when there's defenders in the six yard box, that's not a great position for Sun. He's 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 not physical enough. Whereas whereas Bale is a an athletic freak still at his right ripe old age. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. It's really it's really quite special to have him match fit. Again, I didn't think it was going to happen, but... Yeah, I really didn't expect this. It's such a nice surprise. It's such that, a nice that surprise. That incredible excitement that we had at the beginning of the season it was, was valid. And that's, that's really sweet to know, you know? I mean, even if it hasn't been validated in a football sense, it was still valid. But, sure. I mean, this is this is wonderful. It's really wonderful. Would you take another year? Um, Bardi, I, 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 would you take another year of Bale? Would you reloan him? Would I reloan him... Uh, I don't think it's going to be an option from the reports already at the weekend. They don't want to consider another loan. They would only sell. Okay. And I, I would, Ooh. I think I would pay, I think I would pay up to 18 million for Okay. Gareth what Bale. about his wages though? If he's on 650 a week. Oh, that's mad. We can't afford <laughs> that. Can't justify that. Um, Give him 200. He'll be happy with for that. For how many years are you putting a, a 30? Two years. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Okay. The, 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 that's that's the my cut off. No out. more. Okay. Interesting. That sounds like an expensive deal, but I mean, he, he does, ele- when he's like this, he completely elevates us. Yeah. And I think there is like, I think there's an aspect of him ele- elevating other players sure. too. I really, I, I really believe that. And Bardi, I want to give you some space to talk about your manager mm. and, and what he's got right in this game and that this run really. Well, I I didn't butt in because it was nice to listen to you two guys say positive things about about Tottenham. I know hmm. you are. I know that's a bit harsh on both of you, but you are positive when when it's right to be positive. But you also um, don't let Jose get away with anything. Um, I'm actually going to say that Hodgson played into a, into our hands in that game. I thought had they not switched at half time and continued to make it stodgy mm. and turgid, I think we might have struggled for that game. But um, by taking off Eze, who was a bit more defensive a bit more able to get up and down the wing and protect and help out help out the fullback yeah they um they allowed Doherty and they gave Bale loads of space and Doherty had one of his strongest performances for a while um you could see what Zaha offers him but sometimes you know sometimes when you have sometimes one player is not the kind of doesn't matter how good that player is that one player can still destroy the kind of team balance and I I thought Hodgson really messed up then I'm, I'm very happy that he did I think the the Bale goal was sensational obviously the Bale part was great but what I really enjoyed was the build-up play to it and I know this will go down as a, a low XG goal because of the distance and everything else but it's almost like the build-up to it makes it a better chance than it actually is it's not a deflection in the ball's popped out and Kane just whacked it it's a move that we've we've constructed that Bale's dropped in a few times a lot of players have been involved and then Bale cuts inside Doherty goes out wide pulls the ball back and boom Kane does the rest of it um, so I think I think that whole team deserves credit for that. Of course, Kane will get the get all the kudos for the finish. But I thought it was a lovely move, and there was a lot of there was a lot of um, there was just a lot of positive stuff about how we moved in that second half. The overlapping runs. I think Reggion is is a completely different animal to Ben Davies, and he just he makes us look a different team. Yeah, that's true. And if if Doherty can get a little bit of form back, and with Reggion on the left, I think. I think we've. I think top four is still on, and we're just yeah, we're just a different team with Reggion in it, and we can even get away with not having Tangai, which is which is good because get Winks some minutes, get some confidence back in him. I think he still remains a useful squad player, and that performance out there would have done him the world of good. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not, I didn't think I didn't think we'd struggle to create without Dombele in this one. I must admit, I, I felt like that was I felt like Winks was a good pick, and I thought Winks had a. a perfectly tidy game he's he's not played a lot of football recently so it's good for him to get some minutes under his belt uh he was on course to have well over 100 passes had he stayed on for the the whole match so he, he was controlling our possession pretty well um partnered well with Huey Bear Huey Bear in my view is really needs a rest I'm glad that they've already confirmed that he'll be um on the bench okay, against nice. Zagreb 
Um, he really, really, really needs a rest because he's gonna, we must keep him fit for the run-in. We absolutely must. And I feel like he must be highly susceptible to injuries right now. Um, yeah, I mean, things just went pretty well. Uh, Orange Spurs said, isn't this the best way for us to defend on the front foot? And I wanted to talk to you both about um, our defending, um, which mo- for the most part wasn't an issue against Palace. But we should probably talk about the goal in some detail. Uh, but what do you think, Nathan? Is this the best way for us to defend? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I think we've been saying for some time that, you know, you if, if you reduce the number of defensive interactions that our players need to make, then you reduce the number of mistakes they'll end up making. And we don't have an immaculate back four, so that makes sense. Having said that, we were also pushing for the inclusion of Toby Adderall <laughs> for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, obviously, physically, he's he's a diminished force. Um, I think if you're Bale and you're a diminished force, you, you can still be an incredible attacker. Um, but I think if if your if your legs are going into the centre back, uh, you can't turn as fast. It really undermines your game. Um, I I I tweeted back and forth with with Harry B a bit on on that goal that we conceded um, to try and provoke some discussion. Um, we we agree that that Davinson Sanchez is first and foremost at mistake because he sort of is too early and mm. too deep to the near post. Um, but I do think at that point the players behind him who can see the situation better need to to accept sort of Davinson's mistake and and Alderweireld need to get across to Benteke earlier. Obviously, like if Benteke has a run on Alderweireld, he's going to win nine times out of ten. So it's it's a really it's a difficult one for him. And yeah, Davinson is too early. Um, let's Benteke drift off him. Gets too far over to the near post when there's there's no one threatening there. Uh, it, in fact, it starts before that with with Doherty. He yep. he moves up to to press sort of into midfield, and then he sort of realizes that that phase is over. Scampers back into position, but he does so um, with his with his hips and his chest facing the corner flag, and his head turned round to his right across his defence. So he's sort of twisted back around. The ball goes back out into his wide area and he has to turn all the way around to see it. By the time he does, uh, I can't remember who the crosser is, but the Palace player already has um, a second on the ball. So he can sort of jog out there and try to block half the angle, but he's slow out there, allows the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then Davinton is, is too early, too eager, too deep for the near post and, and leaves out, essentially leaves Adeverad with, with two players to mark. I mean, I... I, I get what you're saying, but I still think even Davinson with a stepladder, he would have had a job to kind of stop that. I think it was a good cross and it was a sure, good header. I think sure. they could have they could have perhaps done something to affect Benteke's jump. Like he allowing him to jump unchallenged was was a mess. But I I would still I'd still pin the pin the blame a bit more on Toby than than Davinson. Really? But I think it, yeah, I think so. Toby can see the game. I think he needs to at least challenge uh, Benteke. He can see the ball. He can see everything happening in front of him. I, I'm, I hadn't even considered that it might have been Toby at fault there. Uh, for me, that's that goal was mainly on Sanchez. There's a bit of Doherty, as Nathan points out. The, 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 I don't know if Nathan mentioned this, but it's the, the misjudging of the flight of Townsend's pass as well that, that I thought caused the initial problem. So Townsend plays this crossfield pass... Sanchez just completely misjudges the flight of the ball and so leaves Doherty up against Benteke aerially, which is slightly problematic. He could have gone up and, and won that ball, I, I thought, or at least challenged for it. Um, and Bale's tucked in narrow because that's how he'd been asked to defend. So Van Arnholt was out out wide free and suddenly Milivojevic became the spare man and he was the eventual crosser. Oh, yeah. And then I thought, I, thought ben, I thought Sanchez initially had taken up a, a reasonable position in the middle he had Benteke Alderweireld had Ayu Sanchez had Benteke but then he just seems to stop following his man ball watches for a couple of seconds and before you know it Benteke's created a big gap and he's essentially in the 2v1 against Alderweireld he's got he's left with Ayu as well um it wasn't impressive from Sanchez but I mean the, the point being that it didn't matter and then some because we once we scored a second we then didn't stop scoring um, mm. And we can afford we can af- when you, when you score four goals you can afford a couple of errors of judgment exactly. like that it's it's far less of a problem. This is it. This is definitely it. Like, we won't be the first or last team to concede a shot that is a cross into the you know seven meter tall <laughs> Christian Benteke. Yeah. You know? um, and and if we if we'd spent the rest of the game defending our box there was probably another mistake in us for that kind of goal. But we 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 opted to 
to possess and attack and it does wonders for us absolutely um just to shout out to russ green who asked us a, a question which we've basically yeah. answered already but i just wanted to thank him for that um fulham game we we already spoke about in some detail on the q a pod that we released on the main podcast feed so we do these um q a podcasts for the x subs that was our 10th one they're a bit more informal a bit more chatty uh this time bardi did a quiz which was Really fun, but really chaotic. And, <laughs> um, yeah, not sure if we'll repeat it in the same format again, but it was funny. Uh, but yeah, we covered the Fulham match in the first half of, of that podcast. So go back and listen if you want our thoughts on that game. Uh, anything left to say about about uh, the Palace match or should we move on to questions? Um, no, I got I got nothing else to add. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a Tottenham match. That, it was a Premier League game. I've enjoyed plenty of Europa League games, but it was a Premier League match I really enjoyed, and that's a good sign. And I guess I'd like to just add that whilst I don't think that certainly Palace and Burnley are strong teams, I think Fulham are a better team than their league position suggests. But whilst I don't think any of them in in, in in theory, are teams that should cause us problems. I had major doubts a few weeks back about our ability to beat these teams. Major doubts. I, I thought we might get three or four points from these three matches. Um, so that is major progress. That is a huge amount of progress in a short space of time. And things things are certainly looking up at the moment. And I am not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that I'm um, unhappy with the way things are going. This is this is good. This is things are moving in a forward direction. This is good stuff. If we continue playing this way and getting results, there's nothing to complain about. I mean, Palace um, Palace dodged up Manchester United midweek. Fulham beat Liverpool away. Burnley held Arsenal. These they are bad football teams, but they are pretty stodgy. Pretty pretty turgid to get through, and we we batted two of them away. Fulham gave us a little bit more trouble, but we still got a job done. So yeah, I think it's really positive. I uh, I'll uh, I'll piss on everyone's conflicts now that we're we're this far <laughs> in. So. 
you can get that that one over the line. Yeah. Um, that'll be a lovely bonus. Bardi, you're you're ominously quiet throughout. No, no, I'm just just listening in. I I mean, it's uh, it's it's quite an easy stance to take, Windy. You can say I'm I'm very happy if we win, but I'm very happy <laughs> if we lose. It doesn't, you know. It's anybody could say that, and of course. But um, you know, I'm happy we're winning. I'm happy we're playing nice football, and um, I'm happy listening to you, Windy, talk about Jose in in a positive light. So it's so it's I'm winning as well. We're both winning. <laughs> it's win, win, win. Win, win, win. Except poor Nathan over there, who's just fed up. <laughs> Nathan, I'm so worried about you, man. Don't worry. It's just, just, just enjoy yeah. the wins. You can, you can enjoy yeah. the win. Come on. Uh, let's go on to some questions. We have a lot to get through. So Ribble on Discord says, "Would Mourinho still be here if Arsenal were having a good season?" I think maybe uh, we we sort of done the other half of this as well. Like if Arsenal were having a good season and the fans were in the stadium. I think things would have got really, yeah. really pretty toxic. Um, but without either of those things, I, I think one without the other maybe isn't enough. Both of those together, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that plays a little bit of a role. Uh, yeah, I think had I think had Arsenal had a good season with a young progressive manager apparently <laughs> and everything else, then Mourinho <laughs> might have been under pressure. But no, you know, Mourinho's eating Arteta for breakfast again. Um, I I'm not gonna be too smug about that just yet because. <laughs> If they do beat us... They, yeah, they're still they're seven points behind us right now. Yeah, if they beat us, it's suddenly four points and it wouldn't surprise me massively if, if they overtook <laughs> us. So I'm going to keep my ink dry on that one. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there was a, I, I, I think I agree with Nathan that if the fans are in the stadium, Mourinho might have gone by now. I think that's, that's where I... I think that's where I stand on that. Uh, Emperor K says, do you think Liverpool's mixed overall form and set up this season with a weakened defence and strong attacking line is similar to Spurs, hence our similar league positions? If so, then we might lack a playmaker and our manager is controversial. Are we only a centre-back or two away from becoming a real force? I guess this comes down to the, uh, do you just need world-class players to be a good team or can you get a good team from some world-class players and some average players? Um, But what do you think, Bardi? I mean, I think Liverpool. Liverpool's problems at the moment is their centre midfield is is a mess, and that's perhaps affected by the fact that Fabinho needs to play at centre back, and when Henderson's been having to play there. So, but then also you can't. You, Salah and Mane are incredible players. Fabinho's okay, but it's, it takes a very special individual to be able to maintain those kind of numbers over four, five, six seasons. The the ones that do it are you know Messi, Ronaldo, who who are freaks of football, and you don't see those kind of people again. So I, it's very difficult to ask Liverpool to be able to continue to do this. Losing uh, Diego Jota hurt them, but I, I just think it's a, a natural, it's just a natural drop-off of a team that was working at 99% of capability that eventually they're going to drop off a little bit. And, you know, I, I think that's really what's, really what's happened to them. They just need a little bit of a, a little bit of a break and a little bit of a, a change here and there. But I don't think any, I don't think anything's down to Van Dijk to be honest. I th- I think they've I mean I just think their numbers of injuries have been absurd and I don't think that's bad luck to be honest I think that is partly the system they've tried to play partly whatever it was they were doing last season uh, and partly the this footballing schedule um, and it's taken its toll hugely I mean the injuries have just torn through every part of their team the only players that seem to have survived this are are Salah Mane. Alexander Arnold and Robertson. Everyone else seems to have had some sort of injury breakdown at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say they're unlucky with that because I think it's partly as a result of of their style of play and their trading methods and and everything else. Uh, Nathan, what do you think? I do think that they are having a an awful, awful time with injuries this season. I do think that Van Dijk specifically undermines their defence, their midfield and their attack. Um, Mm. (laughs) I also think that if they had been taking performance-enhancing drugs for the last three years, now would be a good time to cycle off. And I do think that they've played played a hell of a lot of games this season, as we all have. We've all played far too many, and and, and their their style of football... um, just yeah. you know high intensity football is so undermined by the lack of pre-season the the too many games at once the length of the season everything else mm-hmm. i but i also suspect and, and andrew gaffney uh tweeted this as well that like they might kind of be getting towards the point that we were at last season which is simply that the same bunch of players have been under the same manager 
for so long and things are just sort of a bit mentally fatigued and they need they need some kind of refreshment painful rebuild they need, they need a painful they might need maybe not the the big overarching but they 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 kind of need to do i think what they did with coutinho they need to sell a star they need to sell salah and uh and and bring in some young midfielders uh maybe maybe sell one of their fullbacks uh and and just sort of move things around a little bit or change their manager out <laughs> and hope that someone else will reignite the same squads um you know, tough call either way, I guess. Oh, they could really do with Jose Mourinho, <laughs> couldn't they? I, I, I just feel like he would pick the last remnants from that squad. Definitely he not Arsenal. <laughs> Jose, I think Jose would do a great job at Liverpool. I think he, would, I think he might win the double. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so Adam... THFC14 says, if Liverpool were to sack Klopp and appoint Nagelsmann, would Klopp be a realistic and good option for Spurs? Hmm. I mean, Klopp is a top-tier manager. He's one of the best managers in the game, so I think hiring Klopp wouldn't be a bad thing. It would be awful to see, but I'd get behind it. He's a bellend, but he's not as much of a bellend as our current manager, so he'd be a bit more tolerable. Um, I think he's—I think he's probably as close to being a bellend. Uh, to, I think he's very close to being a bellend, like compared to Mourinho. I think he gets yeah. away with a lot of stuff because he says it with a happy, happy smile. <laughs> but I—I I think he's a. That is true. He, that is re- yeah. that is really true. He's a cheerful. Mourinho is a bit more Latin and a bit more surly, whereas <laughs> Klopp Klopp has Klopp has digged out reporters just as many times as Jose has. He can be really spiteful with the press yeah uh i don't think he treats players as badly as Mourinho does um but i mean you're right he's a he's a he's a top class manager i'm sure daniel levy has that noted in his little <laughs> book um i feel like klopp would need to take a break from football he looks he doesn't look great <laughs> at the moment he looks kind of how pochettino did after the end of his first stint he just needs to step away for a few months and and refresh and spend some time on the beach uh so i'm not sure that would work out timing wise to be honest uh, nathan would you take klopp yeah, but it's a bit of a weird one. It doesn't see, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel appropriate, does it, for for him or for us? Obviously, he's a brilliant manager. And I, I've been because I was sort of um, while I've been looking at Hassan uh I've been looking into sort of Klopp, and I, th- I think there's quite an extent to which he, it's more his team than him specifically, and he's the face of of a of okay. a changing uh, coaching team. Obviously, that's the case for every manager, but. But more so for him, and that that Buvac and Linders are sort of the the um, the what we would more traditionally think of as as the managers at Liverpool. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, I hadn't realised that at all. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one, which is from SB Walker. Everyone's thoughts on Joachim Anderson versus Esri Concer. I mean, I I said in the in the Fulham pod, uh, section of the Q and A pod, I really like Anderson. I think he's a he's a good defender, very talented defender, but more than that, he's a ball playing mm-hmm. defender, he's a passer, he's a line breaking passer, he can carry the ball into midfield, he's, he's competent in possession. I, I don't think he's an ideal Mourinho defender, but I think he you know, if we're looking beyond Mourinho, I think he's absolutely perfect for a manager who wants to play out from the back and now has obviously a year of Premier League experience, so I'm I'm all for that. Equally, Concert's had a very strong season, less talented on the ball. Definitely less talented on the ball to the extent where I'm not sure how good he is on the ball. He's a bit nervous, actually. But very, very good defensively. Um, Very strong performances for Aston Villa. Uh, I don't think he's the kind of top-tier centre-back that we should be in for. I feel like he's on the same tier as many of our other centre-backs, if I'm completely honest. He would probably be a a slight upgrade on Sanchez or Dyer and and arguably Tanganga. Although I still think Tanganga's got lots to offer if he's given a proper run. Uh, but what do you think, Nathan? Do either of these players interest you? Don't have a huge amount of thoughts on Concer, but Anderson we were linked to uh, back when he was at Sampdoria, and I had a look at him then, and I was was really excited by him. And um, seeing him in the Premier League has, has done sort of no harm to that. Yeah, he's still only still only twenty four, young for a centre back. Mm. Uh, he is currently owned by Leon. Uh, yes. So it, it might be things might be a bit tricky. I don't know what plans they do and don't have for him. But yeah, I think he's good. I like him. Vardy, any thoughts? Looks good. Passes the ball nicely, but he's going to cost an awful lot of money. But yeah, I like him. I mean, they would be very sensible to sell high after his performances for Fulham, wouldn't they, Leon? It would make a lot of sense. 
Leon are the worst team to try and buy from as well. No, we are. <laughs> no one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Spurs and Leon trying to do a deal. It's just like got to be the worst time for an agent. At negative dialectics says if Skip continues to develop, best case scenario, what current slash previous player will he most resemble? Hmm. Good question. Um, Scott Parker. Yeah, I think that's a really this good From shout. a Spurs yeah. perspective? Yeah, that's right. I, I, and I say that from two perspectives. One, that he's very tenacious and quick into the tackle like Parker was, uh, despite not being like physically massively imposing. He's just he's quick off the mark and he wins the ball well. He's got a good mentality in that respect. But also, he has other skills as well. He can carry the ball forward uh, and he can, he can, he's got a longer range of passing that he, than he lets on, but he just doesn't do it very often. So he sort of plays in a slightly restricted way. So that's why he reminds me of mm. Scott Parker. Yeah. But I watched, I watched Harrison Reed play for Fulham against us the other day, who I thought was really good. And I just was thinking the whole time, Skip does all this stuff as well. And it'll be really handy to have him in the squad next year. Skip uh, is obviously doing very, very well at Norwich, um, receiving. Huge amounts of plaudits that we are exposed to every single game by Norwich fans. They're they're really adoring him. Um, and this is a club who have, you know, Buendia on the book still. Um, he gets him out of the match too often because they put it onto a Twitter poll <laughs> and then the Spurs <laughs> fan base as a whole jump on it and then it sort of <laughs> mixes up their own perception because they voted him man of the match. Therefore, he must have been man of the match anyway. Whatever, that's beside the point. Um, he's obviously doing very well. We had a look at him. Uh, when was that? Back in December? Before that, maybe even. Um, and maybe we could do that again. But his his. Def- oh, well, I wasn't expecting a but. His his defensive numbers still aren't right. The most incredible. Okay. Is that not because Norwich is such a dominant team? Uh, I don't think so. To be honest, I don't think so. I think the thing is that like he was playing so well, defending so smartly. Um, <clears throat> again, obviously, is very tenacious. That I was thinking maybe by the end of the season, the numbers will sort of eat themselves out, and he will show up more as as, as someone who's getting up towards three tackles, getting up towards three interceptions. Um, they're still just sitting a little bit low, and I think that that I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe it's something to think about more in the context of Norwich, but um, that's that's my only concern at the moment is that he's a little light on on defensive numbers. Everything else, I'm very very happy with. And he does your favourite thing, does. which is a tackle or an interception, which is yeah. also a pass. If he could mix it up with a couple of tackles and interceptions that maybe aren't even passes. Once or twice more a game, <laughs> I'll be I I'll be ecstatic. Cool, and I mean that that is a a reasonable thing to expect as he develops and gets sure. older. You know the, what he's doing at the moment for such a young player is mightily impressive. Uh, we should be very very excited about Skip. In fact, let me just let me just say at this point, we should be very very excited <laughs> about our young players generally because. We have some of the best young talent in the country at the moment. So I watched on Saturday morning our under-18s destroy Chelsea. um, Absolutely destroy them. Uh, Mathurin scored a hat-trick. Scarlett scored a couple. We were really, really impressive across the pitch. Uh, The two midfielders, who are twins, Michael and Matthew Craig, were fantastic. Um, Alfie Devine just glided about the pitch, doing whatever he wanted taking the piss out of Chelsea a lot of the time. He's far too good for that level. In Divine and Scarlet, we have two of the best teenagers in the country, in my view. I think we are exceptionally well set to have a productive academy in the next few years, and I'm very excited about that. Do you have any any extended thoughts on the Hadrick score on Mathurin? He is... Um, he's a very exciting talent. He's incredibly technically gifted uh his his level of skill in a one-on-one situation is like elite level exciting skill and he in this game my word did he apply himself the the free kick he scored was delightful his his third goal was he took a slightly poor first touch an absolutely magical second touch and then a really good finish this one is from Shafe, who says, This may seem like a relatively minor thing, but our defenders still frequently put their arms behind their backs in the box. But doesn't the softening of the rule that happened after the first few weeks of the season make this largely unnecessary? 
until they change it again and <laughs> until that's not the case the thing is that like they've learned they've self-coached or even yeah. been actively coached yeah, to, to to do that um so maybe the next generation of defenders don't feel the need to do that but again until they change the rules again so who knows so you you again like the the point i'm trying to make here is that like it takes time to react to the rules and if the rules are changing like literally we um we didn't concede that goal to Fulham because of an accidental handball, and then like the day after they announced that, that won't be the case <laughs> next season or something. I don't know. So you can't keep up with it. You can't train to it. So you have to you have to play on the um the worst case scenario for everything. I loved to, I loved how they then said, "Oh, this has been planned since October. We're just announcing <laughs> it now." As if, like, that fax wasn't at the bottom of the pile and someone just went, oh, God, there's been a terrible decision. You remember that fax I sent four months ago? <laughs> Get that one to the top of the top of the pile for the intern to work on. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But, I mean, I, I agree. I think it is a training thing. It's a coaching thing. You, they've been coached to keep their hands behind the back for, for all the right reasons, sensible strategy, mm-hmm. um, and it will hinder their movement, but... At the time, it was felt that that was the better of the situations, better of the scenarios. And I think until Nathan says we have complete clarity on the handball rule, I think that is the right thing to continue to do because who knows if it will switch back at some point. Yeah, I mean, our, our defenders are big stiff idiots most of the time. <laughs> so any any action that they take on the pitch that reduces the possibility of them giving away a penalty, I'm all for. So if it's keeping their hands by their side, then please keep doing that. Uh, THFC Kalamazoo says we have used two wildly different approaches or tactical setups. Recently, we've been mostly successful with a higher press and a higher line, less defensive, more attacking. Should we pivot back to a low block, which was massively effective against the like- likes of the Arsenal City? Um, yeah. Yeah, we lo- you've lost points according to the Arsenal, Kalamazoo, I'm afraid. Uh, that, that's actually my fault. He he actually wrote the scum, but I, I changed. I just got rid of scum and put Arsenal. <laughs> then I retract um, my I previous didn't... comments. You you do not lose any points, Bardi. You lose 10 points. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what do you yeah. think against Arsenal? Low block? It's something I was... I mean, I, assume, I assumed we would play low block against Arsenal, to be honest. <laughs> yes, but I think that... So we talk, I talked like back earlier in um back in November we were running a sort of an interesting defensive setup where our central midfielders become our channel defenders and our fullbacks defend wide. I call it the four mm-hmm. plus two. Um and it was really interesting, it's quite different and it was effective and what I said was we are also every time we use it we're showing our hand. And I think that gradually teams sort of came prepared with plans of how to flatten us out and then play back to the central midfielder and and then play through um the point being that like the more time we spend defending deep the more time we have to keep coming up with fresh new inventive ways to defend deep i think that now that we are um now that we're spending a lot more time with the ball we can also plan and and keep our cards to ourselves about how we're going to defend deep when we defend deep so we need very specific uh, defensive setups that we're going to use against Arsenal and City and then only use them against Arsenal and City. And that's difficult to train for, to, to, to only put something into practice in the match itself, having not been able to prepare it in a previous match. Maybe you'll see us defend deep for the last 10 minutes completely unnecessarily against Dynamo Zagreb just to get that practice in, you know. Um, mm. But I, th- I think that that generally is, is the way forward. Okay. Any thoughts, Bardi? Um, I think I think we'll switch between the two. I think we will go to low block for periods of the game, and then other points we're, we're pushing. I think we're a little bit more fluid now than we, than we were at the start of the season. Um, I I still think against Arsenal, sometimes the best form, the best way to attack them is to allow them to come onto you and then just bang them over the top. So I I, I think we will probably start with that. But I think Burnley showed that if you press Arsenal, they're also quite capable of shooting themselves in the foot. So it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. I think I think we'll do a little bit of both and that's why I think Lucas will start because he will help us in that press but I, I do think um, I think Arteta should be concerned with Bale but I don't think he'll do anything to stop Bale which I think will play into our hands because he, he's like that he has his he has his philosophy this is how we play and like we like we saw earlier in the season they they knew how we were going to set up and they just walked into it because they refused to refuse to adjust and I think his uh, rigid approach to the game will, will allow Jose to be able to flick between the two and ultimately beat him 
I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see a Sissoko Hubia midfield against Arsenal with Ndombele oh. playing in the ten. I hope not. I don't. I don't think we'll see that. I think Sissoko's time is now coming to an end as a as a starting player in in proper football matches. Well, well and Dombele's shown that he's more than capable of playing in a two man midfield. Mm-hmm. He's you know, and and in fairness, we were right about that as well. We said that from the start of the season that we wanted <laughs> to see Ndombele play in a two man midfield, and he has proven he's more than capable. He's an exceptional player. I mean, to be honest, we should just devote two minutes of every podcast just talking about what a player Tonki Ndombele mm-hmm. is because he's magnificent and I absolutely adore watching him play. Um, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if he does play 10 against Arsenal and we go with uh, Bale right, Son left, Ndombele centre. Uh, speaking of our attacking lineup, Fridges on Fire says, Does Basque have the right balance? The Fulham game has shown the willingness to press from the front line, but without Lucas in the mix, we have absolutely no pace for the defence to worry about. Delhi is about movement off the ball. When we play against a team that wants to play football and we don't have the majority of possessions, it doesn't work. And firstly, I want to push back against Basque because... His name's Delhi. His name's Delhi. He doesn't like Ali being used. He's, he's, he's actively said that he doesn't want to use the name Ali, so we should respect his wishes and not refer to him as, as Delhi Ali. It's Delhi. Um... But BDSK uh, sounds far too like BDSM, so <laughs> someone needs to do some work on finding. Uh, there's no, well, there's no vowel. There's um, no acronym. We ha- you have to let the acronyms go. Um, it's just it's just our attack. <laughs> yes. Okay, Nathan. Fine. <laughs> Why do you hate fun? <laughs> because there's no vowel. This is just not going to happen. <laughs> um, so go back to the question from Fidges on Fire, uh, Buddy. What do you think? Is there a lack of pace in in Bale, Delhi, Son, and Kane? Um, Son is fast enough, and I sometimes I think smartness of mind is faster mm-hmm. than smartness of body. There's um there's an awful scene in the film Goal, and I don't know if you don't know if you remember it, where the the guy who's meant to be Arsene Wenger makes um, Santiago Munez run oh, to yeah. the end of the pitch, but he kicks he kicks the ball there, and then he makes him do it ten times, and eventually Santiago's like, oh okay, and he goes, you see, it's always quicker, the ball moves quicker than the person, and I think what Delhi does give us is he gives us a smartness of attacking of attacking play like Ericsson did and smartness of mind will always be smart faster than body unless it's a 100 meter race or something and just to add to that also that Delhi is one of the best timers of a run yeah. in, in the league uh, and, and that can make up for a lack of um, flat out pace as well because if you, if you beat the defender to the run you quite often make it through ahead of them so I'm not worried about it personally Nathan any concerns no, from you? No and Delhi is also a phenomenal presser of the ball too basically yes. anything yep. that Luke, <laughs> anything that Lucas can do Delhi can do better <clears throat> yeah maybe I mean, maybe not true. right now and, uh, maybe not right this second with the with the fitness issues uh, and coming back into form and the fact that Lucas is really out there doing it right now and playing his best football I accept that but at their best and I do think that it's very much possible for us to get Delhi to his best he's better in every single department he's going to put up fewer dribbles as a total than Lucas um, but he's going to be more effective with when and where and how and what he does after the dribble than Lucas is and as a result he's a better player he's probably weaker in the air despite the massive height advantage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's it yeah yeah I agree and to be honest I'm thinking back now to earlier in the season where where Kane was playing lots of balls for the onrushing Son I mean that 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 move was heralded for being incredibly quick and difficult to stop because it was so quick mm. so I don't think we need to worry and we've got Regan on back now he's he adds another dynamic a pacey dynamic to our attack too coming from deep uh, Dan Alvarez says after a slow start it seems like Cameron Carter-Vickers is back to his normal thing of looking really good in the championship yet he never seems to be considered as a potential first teamer he's younger than Roden who'll be also signed after being really good in the championship and seems to be a pretty good fit for a team that defends deep from what I gather people don't feel like he's a good enough passer to play in a progressive system but considering we don't really play that way anymore what stops him from being a first team consideration can't say I've seen much of him but would love your insight on his situation and I have to say that Dan has summarised Carter Vickers' style there really well. He's a very good um, deep block defender who is exceptionally good at defending the penalty area and his weakness is uh, passing out from the back. So, yeah, what do you think, Nathan? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that, that, that was always my my issue with, with Carter Vickers. Um, if, if, he, if, he's, if he's proving himself a, a very strong 
uh, box defender, at, you know, at senior level, a championship level, then yeah, I, I guess that he he should have some consideration for us. I just like the thing is that like what we've been talking about this episode is like us moving away from us playing sort of archetypal Mourinho ball and him adapting and him playing with more possession, um, with a higher line, with more space behind, more front footedness. Um, so I guess that he at this point he sort of still he he can present himself as sort of a, like a useful squad option. He can be um i i guess sort of a davinson sanchez alternative um but medium term long term definitely he's still not going to be what we're looking for i think also if Mourinho thinks tanganga is too short at center sure, back yeah. then carter vickers is shorter still i think carter vickers will leave at the end of the season i think his contract's due to expire we'll get compensation but that'll be it uh and everyone will say wasn't this a waste um, but yeah, I mean, good luck to him. I, I think he would do really well in a team like Burnley who defend deep. I, th- I think he would be at more than adequate for a team like Burnley or even Crystal Palace, something, something like that. Final question. We've done a lot of questions, haven't we? We've really uh, caught up on our questions. Matt Pants says, OK, my soy boys, here's the question. Please explain Giovanni Lo to me. The extra inch shtick is all about evidence-based takes rather than opinions and feelings. <laughs> so you need to explain why you think Gio is a really good player and is in Nathan's starting 11 conversation. As you rightly point out, he doesn't do goals or assists. One goal, three assists in 39 games. And he's not in the team for his defensive skills, which the stats say he's markedly poorer than Winks, Huibier, and Dombele or Sissoko. So what does he do? Is it just the assist to the assist? Even in that capacity, his numbers are about one key pass a game, which is decent, but not a whole lot better than, say, Lamella or Mora. I, kn- I know stats aren't the be-all and end-all, but his are pretty damning. So on what basis do you rate to him so highly? So I plugged his name into FB Ref, which now Football Slices has gone, is a really good website to get a snapshot of a player and tells you which percentile they're in for, for various uh, attributes. And basically, if you look at him against other midfielders, there's a lot of green bars, which mean he comes out very, very, very well uh, to the point where he's like in the 97th percentile for various categories. Uh, Non-penalty expected goals, non-penalty expected goals, expected assists. Uh, Where are we? Dribbles completed. These are, uh, he's amongst the best in the, I guess, top five leagues, Nathan? So, so this see. is this is comparing him to other midfielders over the course of the last year. And in the last year, he's almost exclusively played attacking midfield. So I think that he's always going to have very impressive attacking numbers compared to other midfielders. But sure. if you look at his attacking midfield and winger templates, yes. he yes. is, uh, let's have a look. So six. Yep, 69th percentile for expected assists. So the assists aren't coming through, but the passes to create mm. are. And if he's only putting up mm. one key pass, then it's a very strong key pass to a really good location. Um, 74th percentile, putting up 3.9 shot-creating actions. So that, that key pass uh, statistic you've, you've read is wrong. It's, it's 3.8. That's going to include like shots off dribbles and shots for, uh, shots for himself, but still, um, high number of passes, good number of passes completed, progressive passes, 93rd percentile with 5.1. And that really shows that, that to me is sort of the unsurprising, uh, standout feature of his game is his ability to progress the ball. And at the moment, you can see how, how important that would be to us and how much that would mean to us. Um, just being a creative midfielder who who was able to access attacking midfielders, access Kane, uh, make things happen for that, make us a lot less reliant on attackers taking it in terms of dropping to midfields. And if he's the attacker doing that, he'd be, you know, as good as Kane at doing that and allow Kane to be in the box a little more often. Um, 99th percentile for pressures, 99th percentile for tackles. This is compared to attacking midfielders rather than compared to defensive midfielders who that's more of their game. 80th percentile for blocks, 68th percentile for clearances, 76th percentile for, for aerials. He's a phenomenal player. Uh, and if we didn't have this loaded up here, I'd be very confident telling you that anyway, because I think it really shows on the eye test. He's a brilliant, brilliant creative, um, creative midfielder. And that doesn't necessarily immediately mean assists right from the off, but his ability to progress the ball into attacking areas um, and have it arrive in, in a good manner, uh, having a, have it arrive at the feet of, of other players, um, comfort carrying the ball. He, he he's really strong in his ability to mix up his his carrying and his passing. 
uh, as well. So he's he's hard to sort of defend, uh, come with a with a plan to defend against because he can mix it up in that in that way. Um, yeah, he he he's he's as good as you know the likes of Ndombele and Kane at at moving the ball from one of the pitch to the other, which is by far the most underrated aspect of all of football. And I mean, from what you were just saying about. Delhi being able to do everything Lucas does and then do it better. These numbers show that Lacelso is absolutely the same. You know, the pressures and tackles, 99th percentile. That's that's extraordinary. That's really impressive. If you if you put Lacelso into the role Lucas has been designated in the last few games, he's going to do that. But then also there's going to be output. There's going to be yep. there's going to be shot creating actions at the end of it. So yeah, huge upside. I mean, I I really want to see. Lo Celso in a midfield three with Ndombele and Huibier. I think that'll be really exciting. But I'd also equally be happy to see him as a 10 or on the right of our uh, attacking band. I'm really excited to have him back, actually. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, a, it's perfect timing with the schedule we have coming up that he's returning to the fold. I, I would be interested to hear back from Matt in a few weeks' time after Lo Celso's had a run of games. Lots of people are very down on him. I think it's partly the injury record. And I think that is completely justifiable as a position it is very disappointing how little we've actually had him on the pitch since we signed him uh but also i think you know when you sign an argentinian um air quotes in uh, attacking midfielder then you are going to expect goals and assists he's just not that kind of player right certainly not goals i think i think he's been a little unlucky on his return of, of assists and i think that we will see if he's fit next season uh we'll, we'll see we'll see a, a nice little bunch of assists most likely and Bardi, obviously you're you're not a not a true soy boy you're a, you're an oat boy <laughs> uh but but what do you think um where do you stand on the celso i think his biggest weakness right now is his fitness and i think the impression i get is he's not being rushed back this time because we're not in desperate need for him to come back immediately so hopefully he'd be managed a bit better and i i have i have big hopes for him i think as if you just remove sissoko and you have your midfield options are Huyberg, winks um lacelso delhi m Dombele, all of a sudden that's a very strong kind of midfield group and lacelso you know the numbers speak for himself he's a very very good player and he just needs to get fit absolutely uh, nathan i did watch the soy boy videos okay. that you uh, you linked and uh, we put them in the show notes of that episode uh the the takedowns of paul joseph watson were were breathtakingly good i strongly recommend uh, those videos highly highly enjoyable cheers boys nice to nice to talk about a spurs win um let's hope we're talking about a spurs win after the north london derby peace you've been listening to the extra inch Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D. Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 